You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians, brought to you by Built Bar. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use their promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your next order. And if this is your first show, I am Jeff Ellis, formerly of Scout, formerly of 24-7. One of those does not exist, and the other does not do baseball anymore. Now I am all Locked On Indians all the time. Uh, I know, I know, I have been promising the mock. I have it completely laid out. I just have not had that time to write and fill in. Uh, with that piece, um, I felt pretty good about the player I do have mocked to the Indians in that one, and hopefully I will get that up at some point this week. I am tempted, if nothing else, to just make the tomorrow's show for the WKYC video podcast an all-mock podcast as uh, college baseball is right around the corner, and just go through all those picks kind of quickly on that show and eventually then post the full thing with the analysis that I'm able to sit down and write when there is time to do such things. So should we talk about the minorists of Indians news? Uh, Basically, a pair of articles came out, and one being with... Well, before that, should I talk about the fact that... uh, So Hector Gomez, who I think was... I don't know exactly... I mean, he gets things right sometimes. Let's put it that way. He's got a big follower base... Uh, some strong ties in the Latin American community. But uh, he also gets a lot of things wrong to the point that uh, he posted something that made Jeff Passan post. I'm going to paraphrase because I don't remember exactly, but it was basically like, stop believing things from people who don't get things right. So, it, you know, that's it's an issue. And there's a lot of, I mean, Bob Nightingale, who's at USA Today, uh, is had a rough off season, And it's you know, soapbox time, the whole fact that uh, a strong percentage of baseball journalism is now about being the first to something, like, who cares? Like, I don't care who breaks news. Uh, yeah, I know, like, thanks to Schefter and Woj, like, that's become a thing. That's become, you know, those guys are, are big because of their connections. And you know where that information comes from? It's agents. It means that those guys have built connections with agents. Um, I mean, there are guys who are on Twitter that I used to interact with, I don't as much anymore, but whose whole careers in terms of them occasionally breaking news uh, or having video is not based on, you know, depth of knowledge. It's based on friendships with agencies. Uh, and it, I have nothing against agents. I have some agencies that I uh, talk with and they do send me information uh, more often than not. It's not the best of information because it's more information about helping their client. And I get that and I understand that. But when we get people who are in important gigs uh, or people who are claiming to report things and, you know, there's no accountability. I mean, I could sit here and say something on this podcast and there really isn't an accountability for it. I'm not going to, uh, but there would be, you know, no, nothing if I messed up. And it's the same thing we talked about last week with the bad rumor from Dan Clark Sports where I'm like, this is a guy who got in trouble for claiming to be a beat writer when he was never a beat writer. He was just stealing other people's headlines and posting them like he was the beat writer. It was, and then his, his tweet gets tweeted by, um, Daryl Reuter, who then, it then ends up getting shown on the local news and it was all false. Um, we'll get into that in a second, but it's my whole point is 
Hector Gomez is one of those guys that uh, it was interesting to see because there was someone in Atlanta, an Atlanta fan who tweeted out this trade that I thought was just trash. Uh, it made no sense if you know the Indians, so I'm not going to even dig into it. Uh, but I did think it was funny because it was like, oh, I got this from someone who isn't online. They sent me, but it's a good source. And I'm like, how do you, you know, it, everyone claims to have a good source nowadays. But the funny thing about it was like within, I went over to the MLB trade value site and it was like less than a point different in the trade value site, which right away to me shows me that someone probably entered it in that site to get as close as possible to make a trade. Uh, and then, but what was interesting is then Hector Gomez was posting a very similar, if not the same trade uh, for the idea of Jose Ramirez and the Braves. And again, the Braves make sense as a team looking to go out and get a third baseman. Of course, part of the problem is one of the center pieces in any proposed Braves trade is Austin Riley. If Austin Riley was good, the Braves wouldn't need to trade for a third baseman. He has been in the majors for two years, posted sub-average uh, defense and offense. There is some interesting baseball savant data. But, I mean, most people I talked with think he's a first baseman pretending to play third. And, I mean, he was a guy, because of his slow bat, was massive concerns coming up. And I've already talked about him on the show, but just the humor of, like, if he was good and, you know, the MLB trade value site, like, this is part of my problem with it. Like, they do give him, like, 20 points of value. Like, according to them, like, Carlos Carrasco for Austin Riley would not be a fair trade. At the same time, I think, you know, that is being based on like something like that needs to be updated. And again, it's hard after a 2020 season, but if Austin Riley was anything at this point, he wouldn't be in every third trade offer and the Braves wouldn't be Braves fans wouldn't be desperate for a third baseman. And that's just the truth of it. Like how much trade value, how much is a guy worth when uh, every fan wants to replace that player right away? But Hector Gomez reported the deal uh, and then it became a thing. And then later that day, Ken Rosenthal reported from the Indians, something that you've heard me talk about on this very podcast Indians have no interest in trading Jose Ramirez. It doesn't fit their window. Uh, specifically, after they went out inside free free agents, they aren't looking to trade for prospects. <laughs> they didn't go spend $13 million. If they were going to trade Jose Ramirez, they wouldn't have signed anyone. They would have just been content with the lowest payroll and moved on. That that it didn't happen. They went and spent $13 million in free agency. Is that a huge amount? No. Is that uh, a great amount? Not really. But they're not doing that, and they're trading their best player, especially when he's got three years of team control, and he makes nothing. I also got a lot of fans from the Braves being like, fine, you can hold on to him and get a Lindor-esque return in two years. I'm like, well, one, uh, let's be honest, Jose Ramirez is better than Frankie Lindor. Jose Ramirez has been a top-four finisher in the MVP, or top-three finisher, I should say, three of the last four years. Uh, Frankie Lindor is not. Uh, Jose Ramirez had that one year that was... You know, 2019, he had that weird first half after that kind of collapse in the playoffs in 2018. Uh, but outside of that, he was arguably, over the last four years, the best hitter in the American League, not named Mike Trout. Uh, exceptional bat. Uh, yes, Lindor is the better defender and plays a more valuable position. But due to the contract, Jose Ramirez was also going to be cheap. He's always going to be cheaper than what Lindor was projected to be, and that's another thing. And again, the Indians... For as much as I have my issues with that trade, they got uh, Ahmad Rosario, who multiple other teams are trying to acquire. Uh, they got Jimenez, who is the centerpiece. And they got, you know, Fangraphs has him in the t- late 20s, which is kind of more where I'm not as high on Josh Wolf and Isaiah Green, but they still got four prospects. Like, it's not my favorite trade, but let's not act like this was the, uh, the Nolan Arenado deal. What the Indians got for Lindor uh, looks like 
you know, the Grady Sizemore, uh, Cliff Lee, Brandon Phillips deal times two compared to that, uh, or I just call it the Bartolo clone trade, like a normal person compared to, uh, to what the, uh, Rockies just got for Nolan Arenado. So yeah. Uh, I don't know. Like I've had so many great experiences with Braves fans over the years with most fans over the years, but it's always interesting. Like I had a lot of tight connections with the Oakland fan community and I had a lot of people who I used to interact with on a, like every other week basis. And then before the sunny grade trade, I was just honest, like, no, you're not getting that package. Like, no, you're not getting that guy. They're not going to do that. And I ended up being right. And you go back and you look at that Sonny Gray deal. Uh, they just gave away um, the shortstop who turned into a center fielder to the Padres before last season began. James Caprillion's never stayed healthy. Uh, was it the Austin Wade, maybe, the middle infielder? I feel like there was four pieces. And, um, like, basically they have nothing to show for it. And that's... Uh, Mateo, uh, why can't I not think of that shortstop top of my head? Julio Mateo, maybe? Does that sound right? Uh, but either way, it's like, and like I said, it was crazy. These are people I was talking to on a weekly basis, and some of them unfollowed me and never came back because I refused to say that, yeah, they should get like the five best prospects in the Yankee system for Sonny Gray after he'd had a bad, you know, season and a half. Uh, I had a lot, I mean, I had Braves fans swearing me out because I said Austin Riley wasn't that good. It is just kind of humorous. There are fantastic fans and terrible fans in every community, but, uh, it has been interesting to watch. And Ken Rosenthal's piece just confirmed exactly what I've said on this podcast forever. I mean, even if they are going to trade Jose Ramirez, they don't have, and yes, I know the Braves fan would be like, well, then you get Austin Riley to play third, except for he can't play third. (laughs) He can't like statistically. I test. Everything shows he is not able to handle that position well. Uh, you know, the Indians have all those uh, shortstops, and I think you could debate if Arias or Jimenez is the better defender long-term at short, uh, but I think Gabriel Arias has the better arm. So I think he he is the guy you're looking at is maybe moving to third base long-term uh, with the Indians. Plus, um, in the grand scheme of offensive profiles, if you're going to have them both on the infield and they're similar defenders, Arias has a much higher offensive ceiling, and his overall arbitration values will be short, smaller if he is a third baseman rather than a shortstop. You might think the Indians, oh, they can't be thinking down to that minutia. Oh, I guarantee you they are. So just something else to keep in mind. But Arias is, hasn't even been above high A yet. He's gonna he's on the 40-man. We'll probably likely open this season, and I'm hoping they'll be aggressive and put him in double A, setting him up for maybe to help in you know, 2022. But that also then sets up for... Basically, I mean, they traded Clevenger when they traded him with a lot more time in control because they were concerned about his injuries. Like, they just were. He could not stay healthy. And then he was a knucklehead, and I think they were just kind of done with... He never did anything too terrible, but he had had a few just knucklehead moments again and again that kind of the Indians get tired of the same way they got tired of Bauer. The Bauer stuff was much, much worse than anything Clevenger ever did. Don't don't take what I'm saying to say they're comparable uh, in that regard, but they were more than anything worried about the injuries, so they moved him early. I think more like when you look at Bauer, who, for the ups and downs, I mean, he was incredibly uh, healthy and reliable for the Indians. They waited till he had about 18 months left to maximize value. So you're looking probably at trade deadline 2022 as the likely time that they would trade Jose Ramirez. Like, that's honestly um, where I would guess at that, uh, as someone who follows this team at the level I do and kind of tracks how they do things, that's when they move in. We're a long time for the Indians considering to trade 
Jose Ramirez. And now that Ken Rosenthal has stated it as well in a piece on the Atlantic on Saturday, hopefully people will finally start to believe me when I do make my statements along those lines, uh, as I have for a while. As I mentioned at the top of the show, one of our fantastic sponsors is BuiltBar.com. I love that they keep sending us new care packages. We got a coconut brownie that was fantastic. I got six bars in there. I was looking at my bag, and I realized I'm getting low. And that means I'm going to be putting a new new order soon to BuiltBar.com. And when I put in a new order, because I love this product, it is a product I use every day that I don't use it as much on the weekends because I can have a little bit more time and I can be pour a bowl and sit down. But it is the perfect thing when it is a rush and when you are sitting there, you know, on your way to work and you just want to have something simple and easy in the morning. That's why I love Built Bar. And I get tired of things so quickly. I, I've been using Built Bar for almost a year now. That is how much I enjoy this product. This is how much I keep using this product. Uh, it, it's great. And I'm going to be doing a new order soon. Uh, using the promo code locked on, and I use that promo code as well because that 20% offer is the best you're going to find. Uh, BuiltBar.com, promo code locked on. It's a fantastic product. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Uh, I shouldn't say they're my favorite sponsor, but they are because it is a product that I use and I buy. BuiltBar.com, promo code locked on. Our other sponsor is uh, Bet Online, reading the ad copy. I'm just saying that so no one gets mad at me here. Are we ready for some football? College football heads into bowl season, and there's some big matchups this week. NFL regular season is finishing up with the playoff picture becoming clearer. I know. There is one place that has you covered and one place we trust. BetOnline.ag. Sign up today for your free account at BetOnline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. Um, right now, in terms of sports, you have the NHL, you have the NBA, you have some college basketball college baseball around the corner. You know, you have all these things. If if you are someone who's into to sports gambling, uh, I mentioned it before. Recently, they put up a line on betonline underscore AG that, uh, that was like free money. There were already more players. It was about players who had tested positive for COVID, the, the over-under on how many there would be, and there had already been more than there over. So check it out. Follow them uh, online, and you'll see things like that. And, you know, it's a chance for free money as it were and when you use that promo code locked on and you make that deposit you're getting a 50 percent welcome bonus it's more money to sit there and play around with go to bet online use the promo code locked on all one word and remember to check out our exclusive friends and partner at bet online underscore ag to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business sign up for a free account and use the promo code locked on for that welcome bonus Locked On Today is the newest podcast brought to you by Peter Bukowski, and it is a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get podcasts. So we are back, and there's the so that lets you know that the uh, ad reads are over. Uh, The other interesting bit of news was... You know, essentially that the Indians are going to more than likely keep both of their catchers. Again, if you listen to this podcast, uh, both of the big stories that I kind of saw on Twitter that people talked about that came out were things that I have been talking about since the end of the season ad nauseum, uh, never stop, never ending, basically, where uh, we knew this. Like the Indians valued the defensive value at catcher more than they valued at any position on the infield, more than they valued at shortstop. I mean, Ahmad Rosario's advanced statistics show he's not good there. But there's a good chance he's going to be the Indians starting shortstop day one. 
they really value that catching position, uh, the defensive value there. And essentially at the end of the year, um, I think what they're trying to do is set themselves up with another Jan Gonesian situation here, where if Roberto Perez can kind of bounce back to what he looked like in 2019 as opposed to how he played in 2020, he's a legitimate asset. He's someone they can trade and get pieces for, and then they can move Hedges back there and have him... I don't know who you platoon him with because, I mean, Bo Naylor is away. Like, he is a 2022 at the soonest type of guy for me. So, I, you know, probably more like 2023, let's be honest. Uh, and their catching depth in system is abysmal. Uh, sorry if you are a catcher in system. But it's the truth. It's just not a position they do well with, either in development or in terms of who's in place. So we will have to see what they do, but I, I do feel like this is a Jan Gomes, uh, Roberto Perez situation all over again uh, back there. And, you know, those were essentially the big beats. We talked about the roster moves on Friday, you know, the minor league signings, who's coming to camp, all of that fun stuff. Uh, we talked last Tuesday about who was going to be, you know, who I projected in the lineup, and uh, they did sign some more international free agents i haven't really talked about any of their international free agents that much because uh none of them i don't know them it's not my area of expertise expertise it's not something i have a ton of depth at uh i'm sorry i was just looking at the twitter thing and someone was getting mad at me about a ridiculous take about Albert Almora and him not being very good. Uh, just so you can see, uh, plus he's going to platoon, uh, which is, yeah, that's why I said he's a fourth outfielder. A fourth outfielder is a platoon outfielder. Uh, sorry. Uh, but, um, I always get, I'm always amused by people online. I just, I can't, can't help myself. Uh, but it's one of those things right now. The Indians are pretty much set. Uh, we've seen them go and they added some guys. Um, like Keith Hembry is probably the most interesting reliever they're going to add. Uh, there's still a chance, I think, of Oliver Perez coming back as a lefty. But beyond that, um, this team is kind of set. What they are is what they are. Uh, specifically now that uh, Oakland went out and traded for Elvis Andrusis. Interesting and odd trade. Um, bad contract for bad contract. I think Texas... So Oakland gets the highest ceiling prospect. Texas gets a ready set, ready to go catcher who probably will be their starting catcher before the end of the year. Um, they get an interesting arm from last year's draft, one of those pitchability guys who... Uh, productive. Uh, and then they get Chris Davis, who's going to mash in that park. And then they could flip him at the deadline. Um and since it's a you know an expiring type of contract, I had someone say, don't start bringing that term into baseball. Yeah, it doesn't have quite the value in other sports, but those rentals do have value in trades because you don't have to pay them for the next year. Uh, so if Davis can, you know, he was hurt last year. If he can rebound a bit and mash in Texas where everyone mashes, all of a sudden Texas, uh, yeah, they're paying Andrews' salary. Uh, I don't know, I'm probably butchering his name. Uh, for next year, and you know it's kind of an equal money deal, but they they got two interesting prospects, um, and they'll just one of them, like I said, uh, Jonah Heim will be there day one, 
and I would not be surprised if he's their starting catcher sooner rather than later. And if Davis hits, he's going to have legitimate trade value. Uh, they'll be able to get another interesting prospect. So I really liked it for them. But it also, I mean, you know, Elvis has strongly declined in the last three years, but it speaks to how bad the shortstop market was that uh, Oakland went out and added him. And yeah, they're not really paying him this year because they also got $13 million sent their way, but they will be paying him like $14 million next year plus the buyout. So they're still paying this guy a significant amount of money because they needed a shortstop and they didn't have one. And then the Reds, I don't know if we ever saw confirmation, but they supposedly signed Jonathan uh, Villar on a cheap contract to come in and be a shortstop, uh, which now means they're officially out of the Rosario sweepstakes. And really with those two teams having added a shortstop, there's no one left. Uh, now, again, I did not expect the Indians to f- to flip Rosario right now. Uh, we talked about that on the show and why it seemed unlikely. I think teams are calling to see if they're interested as they wanted to buy low on a talented player. But yeah, the I think essentially with those teams kind of falling out, there's not a whole lot of trades that are going to make sense. There's not a whole lot of moves left for this team to make. What they are is what they are. Uh, you can look at that 40-man and eventually, I mean, I have to really dive into the 40-man myself. I have to think who's actually hurt because once we get to that time where you can start putting guys on the 60-day DL and stuff like that, you know, that's going to open up the Mike Freeman spot because he's making this team. I guarantee it. Uh, things like that. So we'll have to see. Eventually they're going to have to add Owen Miller, I think sooner rather than later to the 40 man. Now I don't think he's going to break camp with the team, but I would not be shocked if he is with the team at some point this year, especially if there's an injury, which happens. Um, yeah, I was going to talk about the fourth round tonight, kind of continue my go through stuff. I have all this stuff open. Uh, I don't have the time to get into it, but I want to point out before I go um, what I found most amusing slash interesting in the fourth round. Now, I'll save who's the best, who's the worst, who's the most expensive, all that stuff for later. But the Indians drafted a Jeff Baker who did not sign and a Jeffrey A. Baker who did sign. You might remember Jeff Baker from his short time with the Cubs. I mostly remember him from OOTP leagues where he was a really useful utility type, uh, but that's right. The Indians drafted a pair of Jeff Bakers in the fourth round, continuing just some of their odd name things. They had another Jeff they drafted that round, uh, Jeff uh, Brom, who Brom Brom Jeff Brom, who's the Purdue coach, right? That's isn't that where he ended up? Um, I should probably look at that. From uh, Louisville, he was uh, drafted by Montreal. Yeah, uh, he was at Purdue. The Indians drafted him in 1990 out of uh, University of Louisville in the fourth round. He had been drafted by the Expos out of high school. Good athlete. You know, we do see a lot of quarterbacks in Major League Baseball or former quarterbacks. He got the low A, and the production was interesting in a very small sample size with him, enough where he would have been someone interesting. And again, this is just the fun of, like, this was a different game back then because he gets drafted in 89. That's out of high school. The Indians are able to draft him in 1990, which is his first year at Kentucky. I don't, you know, we talked about this with the Daryl Whitmore piece where I was very confused by this as well, and I never got a great answer, and I'm still kind of obsessed with Daryl Whitmore. So if there is anyone out there who knows him, I would love to interview him for this podcast and get more uh, information from Whitmore because I find him absolutely fascinating. But Jeff Brom, uh, he played for the Indians in 90 and 91, 
drafted by them in 90, goes back and, you know, finishes his his time as a, a football player at the University of Louisville. I should probably pull up his, like, college football reference. Uh, so, yeah, he was there. Or so he played in 89 and he played in 90. So maybe he was a draft eligible. No, because the Indians would have drafted him in that 90 season. Uh, it's always so hard to follow but yeah i mean he was he had a must had a redshirt year because he had five seasons of play but he's out there quarterbacking them and uh also played for the indians for a few years it's just interesting to me uh i always especially with uh, me recording this on uh super bowl sunday just a, another random piece of information another random bit of football fun so the fourth round's interesting it is the round of jeff which immediately makes it awesome two jeff bakers and jeff brom in there. So I hope you've enjoyed the show. I hope you enjoyed this little bit of additional information at the end. Uh, I know I also kind of made it a bit dull by saying, well, what, what you got is what you got. This Indians roster is set, you know, I, but it is, they're not going to be, you know, they're not going to be making any moves. Uh, soon I'll start talking about maybe on the show, the, uh, you know, who the top free agents left are. I always like to kind of put together those, uh, all free agent teams. Uh, I know I did not talk about Trevor Bauer, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it's an old friend alert, but I figure everyone knows about it, and I really don't have much to add. Uh, it's a lot of money, and you know my concerns with Bauer, and I'll just leave it at that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you know that uh, Dodgers team. I don't know why I made that sound before that, but that Dodgers team, it's it's like the Rays. They have that fantastic minors, but if the Rays could actually keep people and go out and sign top talent in free agency... It's a little bit unfair. Um, the Dodgers have such a good minor league system, such a good roster, and they rarely lose anyone. And they get to, to pick off the top players in trades like getting Mookie Betts or signing guys like Pol- Pollock and Bauer. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to watch. I've been Jeff Ellis. This has been the Lockdown Indians podcast. Join me tomorrow. I'm not sure what I'm going to do yet. Uh, I'm, I'm debating the whole mock draft thing. Let me know. Do you want me to do uh, all-time fourth, all-time fifth round tomorrow? Should I do that? Or do you want me to just sit there and talk my way through the the draft? Maybe not give the sleeper pick with every pick, but um, you know, just sit there and explain who I have at every selection and why, talk about some of the top talents and the like. Let me know. Uh, I will let the fans decide what the WKYC show is going to be. Is it me? Is it, uh, is it, it is, well, it's going to be me no matter what. Is it uh, all-time fourth, all-time fifth round discussing those, or do I do the mock? Uh, I've been Jeff Ellis. This has been the Locked Indians podcast, and at least for the next year, go Tribe.